Reducing the Risk for Medication Adverse Events, a conversation with Patty Austin. This webinar included a visual PowerPoint presentation. To view a video recording, visit the link in the description of this podcast. Good afternoon, and welcome to our series of webinars focused on bringing you information about COVID-19-related topics. The information in these weekly webinars is geared toward long-term care and skilled nursing facilities, but we encourage everyone who's interested to attend. My name is Kathy Caudill. I'm a communication specialist with Quality Insights. Today, we'll be discussing reducing the risk of medication adverse events. Now, I'd like to introduce our guest today, Patty Austin. Patty is a quality improvement specialist at Quality Insights. She has been working in the skilled nursing arena for the past 29 years, starting her career as a nursing assistant and leading the front lines as director of nursing. Patty has been with Quality Insights since 2016. She considers it a privilege to be able to interact with so many different nursing facilities to help create lasting change within their communities. Patty, thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Kathy, and hello, everybody. Thank you very much for coming to spend some time with us today to look at medication adverse events and what we can do to prevent them. And, you know, today we're not going to talk a lot about the typical thing that comes to mind when we think about things that can go wrong with medication management and cause those unwanted outcomes. We're not going to talk about medication errors as we traditionally think about them. That category is a standalone topic, and we'll save it for a different day. Today, what we're going to look at as adverse events that are more likely to occur simply by virtue of the medication that has been ordered. We're going to look at those high-risk medications that fill our physician order sets. And although we might be a little bit desensitized to the risks involved with those medications, they can really very easily lead to negative outcomes for our residents. And this is like a pretty broad overview today, and it's intended to highlight the importance and urgency that we need to place on these types of events. That said, each of the medication types that we're gonna talk about could easily have their own standalone session and still leave stones unturned. So let's dive in with a quick look at adverse events and the regulations that speak to them. So most likely the regulation that comes immediately to mind is F755, and that is the pharmacy reg. That regulation states that we have to provide routine and emergency drugs, that we must acquire, receive, dispense, and administer them correctly, and that we have to have a pharmacist on staff who consults on all aspects of pharmacy services. We're also required by this obligation to have a system that tracks, reconciles our controlled medications and the disposition of our medications. Chances are really pretty good that if you've been in long-term care for any length of time, at some point, you've needed to take a closer look at this regulation related to an issue that was discovered during survey. So, that being said, I thought I would pull straight from the guidance for this regulation um, a little section that speaks directly to adverse events. What it states is that preventable medication-related adverse consequences and events are a serious concern in nursing homes. The U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Office of Ins the Inspector General issued a report in February of 2014 entitled Adverse Events in Skilled Nursing Facilities, National Incidents Among Medicare Beneficiaries. 
And the OIG found that one in three SNF residents experienced an adverse event or temporary harm event. 37% of those adverse events were related to medications. And 66 of the medication-related events were deemed as having been potentially preventable. Medication-related adverse events include excessive bleeding due to anticoagulant use without adequate monitoring and acute hypoglycemia. Consequences of medication-related adverse events include a prolonged sniff stay, hospitalization, life-sustaining interventions, permanent harm, and death. So that paragraph was pulled directly from the regulations so that we can see that it is a scenario that is taken very highly by our regulatory bodies and needs to be taken very seriously by we as the SNF leaders as well. Those are some pretty significant numbers and they kind of really highlight why this topic deserves our attention today. The other regulation that I think really falls in line with our topic today is 867 and that is the QAPI regulation. This is the part of that little block of QAPI regulations that speaks to the need for feedback, data, and monitoring to be part of our QAPI plan. It tells us that as part of our plan, we have to address medical errors and adverse resident events. And when these events are identified, we have to determine the root cause of the event and then take corrective action to prevent future events from happening. Once we've done that, we have to monitor for the effectiveness of any change that we put in place and also make sure that that change is sustainable over time. And all of those things have to be in our written policy. In reality, any medication adverse event should be treated in much the same way that we treat a fall within the facility. Remember, we're talking about more than a nurse administering a wrong medication, right? We also need to consider things like a critical lab value uh, for a resident who's on something like the Lantern, or you have a new case of C. diff in the building, or maybe a bruised arm and the resident receives an anticoagulant, or even something as kind of commonplace as the need to administer milk of magnesia to the lady who gets opioids for pain. All of those things happen in our buildings um, pretty frequently, and they could all be adverse medication events, but we can't assume that they're not without an investigation. So treating those types of events in the same way that we handle our fall reviews um, can help us to identify a true adverse medication event and then prevent them from happening in the future. So let's take a look at some of the factors that make our setting high risk for some of those events. We know that our residents take a whole lot of meds. One of the very first things we can do to ensure that we are on the right path to begin is to make sure that the medications we're administering remain appropriate. And your pharmacist should be, pharmacist should be your first line of defense when you tackle that. Sometimes medications are started for an acute situation or even a chronic condition and then remain on the order set for years without anybody really kind of taking that step back and doing a review to make sure they're still needed. That point was driven home to me many years ago. Um, one of my very 
first months as an RN supervisor when I was having some new orders verified and the medical director happened to be in the building and was reviewing this patient's meds with me, looked at me and said, why are we giving the 96-year-old new lady Lipitor? And I, I didn't have an answer, but it caused me to look at some of those medication orders in a very different way. So another big one for us is the availability of our medications. We have our e-cabinets, but more often than we would like, we encounter situations that our e-cabinets aren't able to meet our needs for, particularly with new orders. We need to make sure that we have a process in place that details how to handle new orders that are not in our e-supply. And we know that as our bodies age, the reaction to what we put into it changes as well. And we need to be aware of that as a potential complicating factor when we are um, receiving those new orders. Especially as our census kind of becomes more diversified than ever before, we now have, it's commonplace to have 61-year-olds and 89-year-olds who are being treated by the same physicians in our facilities. We know that our residents are far from simple. Every day they become more complex. They have multiple comorbidities, sometimes making prescribing for one disease without compromising another condition, kind of a maze that our physicians have to navigate. And we also know that that concept reinforces the need for those consistent assignments um, within our facilities so that the treating nurse knows the resident as well as possible, as well as the medications that she's given. Speaking of those meds that we're giving, right? Remember the days in nursing school when before you could administer a med, you had to give a whole rundown on what that med was used for, what the side effects were, what you shouldn't give it with, all of those, those goodies that um, we had to do as we were learning how to be effective nurses. I wonder, are we remembering to educate our nurses now when a new medication becomes part of our med passes? Um, the pharmaceutical companies are liberally adding new meds to our formularies. And when those meds are added and we begin to medicate residents with them, it's our onus to make sure that our nurses understand the medication that they're given and the possible consequences of those medications. We know that new residents are at risk, higher risk during any transition between care settings and that all new orders increase our risk. But something I think sometimes we get too busy to remember is that our medication pass assignment could very well be a risk in and of itself. All 20 patient assignments are not created equal. At one time or another, you probably have had a unit that has maybe nine diabetics and they all get AccuChecks four times a day and they have three IVs running through pick lines and two residents that are high-risk fall dementia residents that assignment may need to be handled a little bit differently to reduce the risk of an avoidable medication event. So be aware of what your resident census looks like and whether or not high need residents are concentrated in one area of your building. So we've mentioned several times about medications that by virtue of what they are, 
increase the risk of an adverse event. Some of those medications include anticoagulants, diuretics, coarse psychotropic meds, antibiotics, anticonvulsants, and opioids. I would venture to say that very few residents we have in our facilities don't take at least one of those medications, oftentimes more than one of them. And each medication from these categories that you add on to a resident's order set, the risk for that resident increases. Some of those potential risks include anticholinergic effects like flushing, blurred vision, changes in mental status, difficulty urinating, sedation, constipation, and falls. Constipation and falls are two often seen events in our facilities, and sometimes we forget to look at how medication administration can kind of um, fit in with those events. Then there are cardiac arrhythmias, increased blood pressure, orthostatic hypotension, agitation, distress, extrapyramidal syndrome, and CVAs. And I wanted to save this one for last, poorly controlled blood sugar levels and weight gain. Our diabetics are um, at high risk, not only by virtue of their disease process, but by virtue of how time sensitive our administration of those medications and our completing of those AccuCheck's are. So the monitoring for diabetics um, can become an easy area if not done correctly for adverse events to occur. And then those risks kind of go hand in hand with that OIG report I mentioned a little while ago on adverse events. Um, I think it was from 2014. And that spoke to adverse medication events and then went a step further and classified them as either avoidable or unavoidable. It considered potentially avoidable events in the report, and they were things like drug toxicities related to antibiotics, valproic acid, lithium, dilantin, ACE inhibitors, Synthroid, Digox, Tylenol, and then there is constipation or impactions related to opioid use, bleeding related to anticoagulation, hyper or hypoglycemia related to anti-diabetic medications. Just these four areas that we're looking at now are the four areas that the OIG report took into consideration when they gave us that 66% number that we looked at on the first slide. So huge risk with these areas. We have regulations and OIG reports, but we also have just as importantly, all of those things that are related to the use of medications or might be medication related. Things like falls, increased confusion, bruising, lethargy, MDROs, and C. diff. I know we have C. diff pretty, pretty much under control at this point, but that's due to our attention, attention to antibiotic prescribing. But really, that condition itself is a testament to our need to remain vigilant in medication administration. 
If you think back prior to our communities really focusing on antibiotic stewardship and infection control, C. diff was running rampant in our facilities. I know that lots of us remember the days of literal C. diff outbreaks, and due to its infectious nature, you could watch it move right through the facility. C. diff was devastating to our residents, and the financial burden that it put on the healthcare system was huge. And then we started to pay attention and um, got that situation under control. And that is through our vigilance to medication administration and making sure that we were giving the appropriate medications um, at the appropriate time. Then there are things like failure to thrive that can be mistaken for the aging process, but really could be medication related. And of course, hospitalizations and yes, even death. Seems crazy. So I wanted to highlight a great tool that will definitely benefit you to become familiar with. And this is the CMS Adverse Drug Event Trigger Tool. This tool covers all of the high-risk medications that we've talked about, and it's used by the survey team when they visit your building. That, this tool provides a really simple way to kind of showcase what should trigger a surveyor's interest in looking further, what risk factors they should be looking for, and then what path they should travel to investigate further. And then finally, what type of adverse event they're trying to prove or disprove. If you have not seen this yet, it is part of the critical element pathways and definitely will benefit you to become familiar with it. The <laughs> CDC has some really great resources that can help you to manage medications at a higher level. When it comes to antibiotics, the very first step is to be sure that they are indicated for use in the first place. This is um, often an easy path for residents and families, and even sometimes for our staff to want to take. They assume that antibiotics are the fix for just a ton of problems. As illustrated on this CDC resource that's on your screen now, I'm sure we've all had the experience of a family showing concern related to a change in their loved one's condition and thinking that it has to be confusion related to a UTI, right? This tool speaks to how to handle a scenario like that using good communication. The recommended technique is to first review the findings that include the symptoms and the physical exam findings that support the decision about appropriate testing and antibiotic use. Next, you would want to deliver a very clear diagnosis that explains the change in condition. Then provide first negative and then positive recommendations. This one kind of took me a little bit to understand what they meant by a negative recommendation. So what they mean is that when an antibiotic is not needed, First, the provider should provide a negative treatment recommendation. Why that antibiotic is not needed is what they mean by a negative recommendation. And then provide that positive recommendation. Okay, if we don't need it here, what will we do? And then finally, discuss a contingency plan that outlines what's going to happen if the resident doesn't approve or improve. The CDC Medication Safety Program provides 
a lot of resources that are very similar to this, and they can absolutely help you in your medication management efforts. So just as an overview, some things that you probably want to consider as you consider your own or as you think about your own medication management program. Are you taking your resident census into consideration when you're making those staff assignments? Do you have processes in place related to the use of your consultant pharmacist? Are appropriate safeguards in place related to new orders and changing orders? And do you have a process to ensure appropriate labs are ordered when they're needed? And then probably for me, the most important idea is how do you handle adverse events when they occur? And are you considering all of the areas that you need to in an attempt to identify adverse events? Just because it's an adverse event, I think, or we call them adverse events, I think it's easy for us to want to shy away from them. Nobody wants an adverse event to occur. But when we thrust those issues into the spotlight, so to speak, it's really our only opportunity to kind of take the bull by the horns and address the situation head on and potentially prevent something really negative from happening. Patty, thank you for joining us again today. And we thank all of you for joining us today. If you would like to contact Patty Austin, you can email her at paustin at qualityinsights.org. You can check out our other interviews at qualityinsights.org slash QIN slash multimedia 